Hey there, um, welcome to our podcast, Pseudo. We're here to talk about stuff that we think is cool, um, and we're going to demystify some stuff for you that pretty much is a bunch of jargon that probably you'll know, and we want to make it accessible for you. Um, and we're also here to have a good time, and also maybe a long time, depending how this goes, and if you guys like us, because that's the important part. If you don't like me, then, well, feels bad, we man. Won't be doing it very long, if that's <laughs> the case. <laughs> Our yeah. goal is not a how a how to show. We're gonna just discuss topics that you guys think is interesting, and our first tar- topic will be view three. Oh, everything that's coming up that a lot of people have been hearing about and probably don't have any idea about. So if you are anybody who wants to learn about tech, anything about tech, then you are my man. Welcome to the show. We're happy to have you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> my name is Luis. I'm a full stack developer working at Doc Network and on the side with Commit Hub. Um, I'm a big fan of video games. Um, that's how I learned to program. Um, and I love to get to the weeds of stuff like learning about Linux and learning some Python and data science and all that jargon. Um, and I also have a facehugger plant uh, that is named Steve and it's a very happy plant. That's awesome. Gotta have facehugger plants. Otherwise, it's just not quite home, is it? Nope, nope. We need <laughs> facehugger plants. My name is Nick, and I am also a full-stack developer at Doc Network. I'm also the front-end team lead there. Um, I found my way into development through a love of maps uh, and geography generally, more specifically geographic information systems, which is what I studied in school. That's what my background is in. And it was my path to uh, finding a love for technology that I never anticipated happening. Um, So I'm very excited to be doing this podcast with Luis because my journey was totally unexpected um, and I had to muddle through a whole lot of learning that was frankly very frustrating because it just wasn't very accessible. So I'm really happy to be part of a show that's going to hopefully make that easier for other people going forward and save you some time in uh, in your learning journey Um, when I'm not doing anything tech related. I am a full-on nerd who loves sci-fi, fantasy, audiobooks, uh, video games, and generally anything tech-related. But I'm happiest when I'm out in the woods camping, kayaking, hiking, or just generally exploring. So uh, life is balance, as they say. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm getting into hiking slowly. It's it's fun, but my feet get tired, so it's it's a good time until the end. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> true that true that it's the good pain though right that exists right <laughs> <laughs> so what's the big deal about Vue? everybody's hearing about Vue. you're seeing more jobs requiring Vue experience so why why people love Vue? well um the first is a low learning curve so Vue is very accessible if you know html css and javascript Pretty much you're going to do almost the same with Vue. There's a, a few things to learn, but most of the things are very straightforward. Um, the community support is awesome. Like, 
there are tutorials out there about people who are in the actual view core team who they publish those tutorials they're freemium so uh, but they're really, really good. And there's always uh, free tutorials out there on YouTube that a lot of people are pulling out. And it's a reactive programming. It's a reactive programming. It's a paradigm that's easy just to grok. So it's pretty much you use templating um, in your HTML and it's pretty much changes if you run something like a function. So it's really simple and really easy to get started. Yeah, it's intuitive in that underlying changes to your data, what you're trying to display on the page, are immediately and automatically reflected in the view for your end user. Um, that is just a simple kind of idea that really just makes sense to most people, myself included. Um, and it's part of the low learning curve, I think. As, as Luis was saying, you know, it's it's very much a simple kind of templating-based system. Just like your standard web page, a view single file component has three key pieces. They look like your standard HTML tags. You get your template, which is an HTML setup um, that can include interpolated values that reference your script section, which is where all the JavaScript for your components go. And then you have a style tag where you can style all the parts of your component. That whole layout just makes sense for people who have spent really any time doing web development. And that's one of the things that makes it so very attractive to people. Um, it's very easy to wrap your head around. Yeah, and I was skeptical at first with Vue when I saw everything on one single file. I was like, oh, this is like too much on one file. But later on, when I started using it and getting like a hang of it, I was like, oh, I don't have to have so many folders with so many different uh, CSS files and JS files, everything is on the same file and I can act actively see it. And if I need more complexity, I can always put it on a different file. Like I'm not forced to do that, but it's very simple and very easy to get started. And I, I love it. Right. And and I think you mentioned it. One of the, the other points not to be undersold is that Vue is really the only major JavaScript framework out there that is totally community oriented. There isn't a major backer. It's not AngularJS being backed by Google or Angular now. Sorry about that. Um, it's not React with Facebook in the wings, you know, uh, really owning all of the, the core stuff until they open sourced it in what, 2015 was that? I think so, yeah. But um, all the same, it it's not controlled by our corporate overlords, man. It's just made by the community and maintained by the community, which is really cool because you don't really see that in, in major pieces of software these days. Uh, it's, it's much less common, even though we've really come to embrace open source a lot more. There's oftentimes an ulterior motive, even if it's uh, an altruistic one, like, hey, we just want people to know how cool we are and want to work for us. Um, that's really still advertising at the end of the day. So Vue is... I mean, it's just here because it's a community effort. It's people building cool software together, which is awesome. For sure. And pretty much that goes to the second point that we want to make. Why are folks excited about Vue 3? So Vue 3 has a few points that are very well made through many articles that have come out. Is We have a new composition API. The compiler was rewritten from scratch, so the performance improvement was from 137%, and 
and then on the server side rendering like Nux, it improved three times over, so a three hundred percent. TypeScript support, it has a new reactivity system, bunch of other stuff, and look great thing that angular has never done um it's a backwards compatibility plus resources for migration um as we have worked with doc Network, we have angular js on our source and we cannot migrate to other versions just because it will break everything and i think that's the worst experience when migrating to new software when you're trying to be more be on the bleeding edge when everything breaks down and well, that's just unfortunate. Yeah, it's a really frustrating experience to know that you can go after something new and exciting that has better security and overall better performance, knowing that that's in your technical capability, but being unable to do so because you're stuck within the software ecosystem of your uh, your previous choices, which I think basically anyone who's in engineering can probably relate to at this point. The, the bane of legacy software. We all have to deal with it. <laughs> but fortunately, the Vue core team is interested in helping your, uh, your migration journey be a smooth one, which is definitely something we appreciate. Yeah, so let's dive deep into this subject. So Nick, can you tell me a little bit about the Composition API? What are the features that are coming out with this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... Uh, the the most exciting thing, I think, probably for the JavaScript community overall is that the Composition API is, that's the core of Vue's TypeScript improvements. Um, if you've used Vue before, you're familiar with, with what's called the Options API. That's the standard way for interacting with a Vue component, um, and that will continue to be available to you in view three, you can always choose to use the options API. The composition API is totally optional. You can use it. You can leave it alone. Doesn't matter. You still have the performance boost in view three, even if you don't use it. However, it's very good for uh, code reusability. So it lets you have a very clear import kind of um, an import trail, so to speak. It lets it lets your TypeScript engine know exactly what code you're relying on when you call into some function that you know is there. You no longer have to rely on the magical this context of your component. You just import the file that you need, and TypeScript can track those dependencies and give you all of the nice features right there in your editor of telling you the types of arguments that that function takes and the types of the outputs and everything that goes with that beautiful aspect of TypeScript. Um, if you don't use TypeScript, you can get the same benefits by using JSDoc in your, in your JavaScript files. Um, and most modern, uh, editors, particularly VS code, as an example, are able to parse that JSDoc and then still give you the helpful tool tips about, you know, the, the stuff your function is expecting and what it'll return and all of that, as long as you document it yourself. So that's kind of cool as well. Um, as a trade-off of that very clear uh, import trail, um, we are getting rid of mixins completely in, in Vue 3. So that is going to be one of the breaking changes that Vue 3 is presenting. 
There are code mods and best practice guides for migrating your mixins into a new format, but essentially you can just define them as helper libraries and import them directly wherever you need them. So um, it's not really a loss of functionality. It's more of a reordering and a new paradigm that you're going to have to approach that with. Uh, the, the composition API is also really good for code organization, not only for getting those mixins out of there, but also a lot in, in the way that you can um, reuse components. So you still have your template available to you and your, co your code organization is really freed from the template. And so like the example that they gave, I'm just going to talk through this with you real quick. The example that they gave in ViewConf was like if you needed to design a search bar, you could design mm -hmm. your search bar component and leave out all of the underlying stuff that makes the search bar work. Because a lot of times that's super contextual, right? Your autocomplete or whatever else needs to go into it. Yeah, so you can separate those that logic into blocks. Let's call it blocks. Mm -hmm. And then you can import them into the actual component, and that makes it easier to work with. Right, so it lets you better separate your view layer from the actual business logic, which is fantastic. You know, that's what we're always striving for. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's a really it, cool aspect of the, the composition API for sure. Yeah, because you want to, so let's say, for example, you have something uh, like that will be reused, like a pagination that I have worked on recently. You want that to be separated from the view component itself. So that makes it very easy to work with. Yeah, precisely. Um, the, the possible downside of the Composition API, Luis, is that it's definitely going to be more complex, right? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a bit more complex for beginners. So if you have a junior developer that you're coming in and you're teaching him about Vue at the moment, um, talking about the composition API may confuse that developer. And um, it's not that it's super complicated, but coming into it might be a, a bit of a stretch. But the composition API is for more complex stuff. So if that junior developer is really not doing that much of a complex, they, he, do, he doesn't have a complex scenario, then he probably won't touch the composition API and he can later like ease into it. So there's a trade-off, but I think it's a fine trade-off. It's the framework. It doesn't get much more complicated than it should be. Right. That's something we face in, in every piece of software ever is the, the trade-off between complexity and flexibility. The more complex something is, oftentimes the more flexible it is, but it also is a barrier to adoption for that very same reason. It's not intuitive, which as intuitive anyway, which is, as we said, one of the things that people in the community generally appreciate the most about Vue is that it's really easy to just kind of jump right into it and hit the ground running. So we lose a little bit of that with the composition API, but again, totally optional. So you don't have to use it. You can, you can dip your toes in the water and when you're comfortable, wait out to the deep end. Yeah, and if you're building simple apps, like I build a simple um, portfolio site with Nux, you're not going to use this at all. Like, you probably have everything on, under one single component because it's super simple. So 
it's a no worry scenario for someone that's coming in unless they're doing very complex stuff. For sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, that's probably. I mean, that's the big one. That's the one that I always hear about. Um, just because it, I mean, it's it's new, it's flashy, and it's pretty cool, and it supports TypeScript. So it's all on that that up and up trajectory of the uh, of the community. But I think from a from a bare metal from the hardcore perf side of things, the compiler rewrite is arguably one of the most exciting things about this new release. Yeah, and it's one of my favorite ones because talking about performance just makes me happy. Yeah, tell so, us all about it. So the first thing is going to have a better block organization. So how um, the dynamic stuff was rendered is that let's say you have a body tag and you have like three P tags and the bottom P tag is the one that's dynamic and you have static content on, on the two P tags on the top. It will go, it will, on the on the virtual DOM tree, it will go through each item and then it will find the, the one that's dynamic. And on each on each level that it goes down, it checks if anything changed. So those static ones will also be checked if they changed. And then if it does change, like the dynamic one that we uh, specified on that third P tag, then it will actually change it. But now it's going to be some sort of little block where it will, little dynamic content will be defined. So it, it will not go down the tree as much and it will not check every static item. It will only check the dynamic one. And you can find a good illustration on our Commit Hub website on the specific uh, blog article about Vue 3. But pretty much by doing this and reducing the number of items it has to check, low performance is just devastating. It's just increased by more than 100%. And that will that also translates to server-side rendering where you might have more um, static content because you probably have something like Contentful in your Nux page and all the other stuff is static. So it's like a simple API, simple stuff and everything should be rendered super fast. Yeah, absolutely. And and going into the the server side rendering, the the whole block organization paradigm helps a lot there too. But um, as you mentioned in the outset, we're seeing like 130 to 140 percent gains for your average view app running in an SPA style, a single page application format that's most common for view apps. And then we actually have over 300 percent for SSR. Um, so the way that they're doing that is on top of the this block organization stuff that we were just talking about, we are always preferring just static string templates to um, to get our server-side rendering templates in order. Uh, so rather than doing any sort of complex DOM shadowing stuff like we do with the virtual DOM, um, there's libraries out there like JS DOM, which implement a whole DOM copy basically in JavaScript. Um, we're not doing any of that here. We're just giving it essentially static HTML. Um, so that makes it way, way, way faster from the outset. So the, the perf boosts are insane for SSR, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and like I mentioned before, just having something like Contentful, it will save you time. I know like Contemptful renders with the server before 
you do a deploy. So everything is just already rendered. You don't need to call any APIs. It's just really fast and really clean. Yeah, so that's pretty neat. So the other good thing about Vue 3 is that it mostly won't break your app, which is pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, and the only things that are going to break your um, system a little bit if you do use them, I have never used Mixin, so that will be gone. Um, like Nick mentioned before, there will be COD mod, COD mod tools that will be help, help, will help you with migration. Um, the filters are gone as well. Again, something I have never used. So those are like very, when they were mentioned, I was like, those first time I hear about them, I never have heard about them. And I've never seen them in source code either. So if you do use them, don't be scared. It'll be fine. It will just be a little band-aid and it'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, I was lucky enough to attend uh, ViewConf in Austin, Texas this year, which was awesome, by the way. But um, I was one of the talks was from John Leader, who writes uh, the Vutify UI library, which is pretty cool, by the way. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Um, and he was explaining that Vutify uses the heck out of mixins. Um, John is also a core contributor to Vue, so he knew this change and was on board with it. And if it's such a root part of his product, you can imagine that that would have been a hard change for him to accept unless there was a very reasonable path to migration. So um, definitely don't fear it. It can be overcome. Um, yeah. Yeah, and since Vue is pretty new in the field, I believe that most of the source code for Vue shouldn't be too big, but it's pretty much depends on your situation. Um, another feature of you is a new reactivity system. So it's based on proxy objects. There's a little known ES6 feature. I have not used them too much. And if I did, I don't really recall them. Um, but basically it's a super term version of computed properties with the current system runs on. Um, unfortunately, I doesn't support proxy objects. Because um, it's dead. But- it, but yeah, nobody cares about IE. I hope it dies and, and <laughs> so just a dumpster fire. So future will not be compatible with IE and I'm sorry, grandpa, but you need to upgrade. Uh, <laughs> but there are plans for uh, compatibility build. Um, we will see, we will see. I, I really think technology should push IE out of the playing field. I, I don't like it. I don't want to use a float because Flexbox, I believe, is not compatible with IE. So, death to the float. Death to floats. Yeah, um, the the compatibility build of Vue 3 is, as I understand it, that is the last priority of the core team. So, they're going to figure out everything else first. And then they're going to figure out how to drag the dinosaurs into the 21st century. Um. Yeah, if you have to use IE, if you still have to support IE 11, there's still hope for you. You can probably still use Vue 3. Um, you will not see the same perf boosts as the rest of us because a lot of those perf boosts, in addition to the compiler, which we talked about earlier, come from this new reactivity system as well. Um, part of that, so 
explaining a bit about how the difference between proxy objects and computed properties. Um, a, a computed property, if you're not familiar with it, is essentially a way that you can define some, some property on an object in JavaScript. And rather than having that thing have a static value, what will instead happen is a function is run every time that value is accessed um, or set. So when you set something, you can also choose to run some function and return whatever value you want, for example. Um, so that that's key to Vue's reactivity system as it stands in Vue 2, because you can listen for those getters and setters. They, they register a call when they're accessed or set. Um, so that is how Vue can, can track any changes to your reactive properties that you're using in your template. The proxy object is similar, except for in addition to the get and set um, events, so to speak. They're not really events, but just call them events because they're events to humans. Um, in addition to that, we can look at function calls and all kinds of other changes to objects. So it adds a whole lot more uh, capability to the thing. So for example, one of the, the most common problems in view is if you need to set some new property that you want to be reactive on your data object, for example. Well, that's not going to work in Vue. Um, you needed to previously call Vue.set to register that as a reactive property. And that goes back to computed that computed property stuff I was just talking about. In order to track a thing reactively, it needs to go through the process of defining that as a computed property. Proxy objects, on the other hand, can trap any changes to the object, not just the ones to a specific registered computed property. So we can see automatically when a new property is added to that proxy object, and we can react accordingly. Um, so that's really neat. It does away with a lot of the inconvenient and sometimes subtle gotchas of Vue2's reactivity system. So in that respect, it'll be getting even easier to learn. Yeah, and it it kind of feels like everything ties together because by having um, that new reactivity system, it does increase performance and it ties well with the um, composition API. So everything kind of like was set out so that it just makes the whole framework better. And I think that's one of the biggest selling points right now when Vue 3 is, has a stable release is that React and Vue have been very close in terms of performance. They have kind of like the same paradigm. They're written differently. So um, a React developer and a Vue developer will write their components very differently. Um, but they've been very close on performance. But right now, uh, Vue has blown React off the water. And I don't think it will be for long. I think the React team already knows about this and probably are working on making React better. And I don't know about Angular, but they're doing their thing over there. I don't know what they're doing. They're, they're probably doing something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that is, yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, the new reactivity system is my favorite feature. One of the... I mean, it's it's so powerful that you can even ship it separately and use it separately from Vue. 
which is pretty cool. So, um, yeah, definitely worth checking out and reading more about. Uh, Luis mentioned an article earlier on the Commit Hub website, uh, a blog post about Vue 3. Definitely go check that out and check out uh, what Luis has to say and the resources section to learn more about the new reactivity system. Yeah, and just to get into some other features, we are not going to cover each one of them because there are uh, multiple of them, but one of kind of like one of the small ones, but pretty pretty cool ones. Uh, the first one is so multiple root nodes. So if you have if you're a React developer or a Vue developer, you know that you need to have a parent um a parent tag for anything to work. If you have two P tags and they don't have like a div surrounding them, your Vue and React will scream at you. Right now, Vue, when Vue 3 releases, you'll need to have a parent div or a P tag or whatever. You can have as much as you want and no consequences. It will understand what you're saying and you'll... It's a less annoying feature that will come up and I enjoy it. It's, it's small, but it makes my life easier, so... Right. It's one of those really small quality of life improvements. You know, it's it's kind of one of those things where... You know they did it right because you'll almost never notice it. Um, yeah, those kind of changes. They're weird, but they, they tend to really be helpful in the long run. So that'll be a nice one. Yeah, and it comes back to the same paradigm. If you are if you came from HTML and CSS, you kind of have a, a, a parent tag that has a body tag. But to be honest, every anything in between doesn't have a parent tag. So when you set your view component, your template, that it's pretty much a parent tag, then you'll need to set anything inside. And it's kind of like a gotcha in the beginning, and then it's fine. But it's a pretty cool feature. I like it. Again, yeah. quality of life. For sure. Yeah, it's something you run into like once or twice when you're getting started, and then you just remember it and move on with your life. But saving those new devs those one or two times. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so another one that's coming um, that's kind of cool is uh, portals. So it's kind of a similar idea to slots. If you're familiar with slots from Vue 2, if you're not, um, essentially it's a it's a way for you to define a basically a placeholder in your layout, where at any time from any other component you can choose to flash something onto the page in that portal location. So um, these are really useful for like modal dialogues or toasts or other things that require um, kind of a pop-up sort of context where it's just like a little blip of user attention. It could be prolonged or it could just be very ephemeral. Maybe pops in and just says, hey, save complete, and then disappears in a couple of seconds. Um, but that's that's what portals can do for you. It it's nice because it keeps your code, um, I think, better organized. You know, you, you can you can put your little flash message or whatever in the place that it's being used without having to worry about the layout constraint of where it actually shows up on the page. Yeah, and it, I don't know how it will work out, but it will save you from doing of um, handling with that specific component because for example uh toast you have to import the component and you have to add a function in the component that you added when it actually will pop up and all that so 
it makes it for a very clean experience, just clean code and not worrying about all that overhead between components. Mm -hmm. The other one is the Suspense API. I'm very excited about this one because pretty much if you have any async content, you can define a fallback easily and just not do too many VFs. So if you want something to say loading, and you define that as a fallback while it retrieves that information, then it will display that, and then it will display the content that it retrieved. I'm not super sure at the moment if they have something for error handling, but if they do, it will probably be either the fallback or something extra. But I really enjoy it because it will provide a very clean way of defining your template and you can see on on that same blog post i mentioned how it will be written and i like it it's just great <laughs> yeah it's um it's a very common pair um yeah it's a very common pattern that you'll see on all kinds of modern sites um so you've seen this on facebook when you scroll too fast you've been on there a while and you get down to the bottom and it does the thing where it has basically like the outline of whatever's coming up next on your feed. Um, and it, it's kind of a loading indicator. That's exactly what the suspense API is for. And you can do it with what are basically HTML tags. So as Louis said, it's, it's super clean and it takes away a lot of the, um, I don't know, the frustrating and annoying tedium of setting up your own version of that thing. <laughs> It, yeah, it's it's definitely a nice, I think, god dang, we must have, what do you think, 20 different places where we're doing this in the Doc Network application, like, that are all custom. Yeah, and it's something that you have to define all the time, like, oh, if this happened, do this, if this happened, do this, and it's either a spinner or a message or something pops up, and it's, it kind of gets tedious at a certain point and, and you see all this in your template tag and you're like, what is this doing? And yeah, like I literally learned how to use snippets in VS Code just to <laughs> just to deal with this because it's such a common thing that we do all the time and there's so much boilerplate that goes into it. So it'll be a nice feature for sure. Yeah, and like I mentioned before, there are many other features that we're not going to highlight in this episode because they're either minor or just there's too much information out there that you can find where they talk about all the different features. I think the major ones is a composition API, the compiler rewrite, and the reactivity system. Those are the ones that you want to focus on. And then these other ones that I that we mentioned are kind of like a, a little little bit of salt on that, on that <laughs> steak just to make it tastes very very good oh so good <laughs> cool uh well i think that about covers it for what we had for you today so thank you very much for listening um we really enjoyed doing this with you and we hope that we'll hear from you soon yeah and we don't have um the next episode that we're gonna do but it will be fun just wait on us a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we hope that we met our goal in uh, trying to demystify some of this stuff um, today, but I, 
we, you know, for, for our intro here, we chose to talk something about something that is up and coming and that we're particularly excited about. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Luis, but next time we're going to be focusing more on the demystifying aspect. We're going to we're going to try to break some stuff down in in, you know, the, the plain English and and get to the root of uncovering some of the tech jargon that we probably use today without even realizing. Yeah, and as you know, because JavaScript is a monster, it has so many tech terms. So we have we got enough to demystify for a bit of a long time. Absolutely. So once again, I'm Nick, and thank you for listening to the pseudo podcast with us. Yep, and I'm Luis. Thanks for listening to my ramble, and I hope you have a very fine day.